Behind is a series of podcasts that asks what lies behind what we say and do, how we think and behave, whether it's obvious, falsely obvious, common sense notions, inherited echoes we mightn't be aware of, and seeks to surprise and risk and challenge the givens and draw attention to the trampoline of language and start conversations that matter. I'm Donald Carroll from Critical Difference. And what lies behind will consist of a main item, but also features some smaller ones. And our first one, and we'll, which will be a regular one, is Word of the Week. So our Word of the Week this week is SHEEO. SHEEO, nice piece of gender inclusion. Heard it at a play at the Bush Theatre in London recently, where women were vampires and ferocious, um, which was fine, but turned out to be a rather clever sales patter to get them to buy more stuff than they could sell and ultimately fail and get in debt. But CEO, what do you think of that? Could that be used? What's your word? What words do you notice? Now, another item we'll feature regularly is Leader of the Week, and our Leader of the Week this week is Bahia Amawi. Bahia Amawi is a US citizen of Palestinian-American background, working as a school speech pathologist in Austin, Texas, she lost her contract because she refused to sign an agreement promising not to boycott Israel. She took this to a federal judge who ruled in her favour and she now has her contract restored. Um, she hopes other people will stand up for their beliefs. This should alert us to the um, rising amount of interference by one state in another which tries to keep itself hidden because this is happening apparently in quite a few American states. Now, another heading we'll feature is noticing. What did you notice? How alert are you? What do you observe? Um, I noticed something last week, which is around getting your excuses in first. At the start of a presentation, an older man said, I have amnesia and deja vu at the same time, so I may have forgotten this sometime before. Created a laugh and an easier introductory pathway for him. Okay, so what do you notice? So our main feature this week is the race for race. What is it? Where did it come from? What does it mean? What's its purpose? But first we need to ask a few questions. Why does racism, do you think, still exist, given that it's so obviously wrong? Um, there must be some powerful pressures, ignorance, the benefits greater than the those who benefit from it greater than those who suffer from it? Insufficient opposition? By racism here, we mean prejudice and oppressive behaviour towards people of colour, in particular black people. Prejudice and power in, in a structured way. Now, one other brief intro question is, what does it mean to be an anti-racist now? What do you think? And I hope to answer that in the following outline. Now, what lies behind wants us to notice more and ask more questions. Um, a couple of months back, going past Clapham Junction Station, I noticed this advertising hoarding, and it said, slogans in nice typefaces won't save the human races. Oh, really? Are there? Now, I wanted to ask, obviously, what does race 
mean here, or races, but also what were the conditions which prompted it? Where did this come from? And I'm using as a reference the excellent Ibram Kendi, uh, shaped around his work, shaped around four questions. By the way, I'm white. I'm a lifelong anti-racist. I'm not an expert in anything, but I want to use this as a contribution to conversations that matter. So, in relation to race, one, what was the first discovery? In 1440, Portugal was the first global power to create transatlantic slave trading. Prince Henry the Navigator, brother of the king, sponsored many voyages to West Africa. Initially, they enslaved anyone. But over time, Portugal began to exclusively trade in Africans, getting more income from trading slaves than taxation at home. So, the first discovery, a business model. But of course, business models need more than that to survive. So, the second question, what was the second discovery? In 1453, the first European book on Africa, by the biographer of Prince Henry, The Conquest of Guinea, mentions the first slave action auction in 1444. And the slaves were fair, mulatto, black, many different skin colours, languages and ethnicity. But despite their differences, the biographer blended them all into a single group worthy of enslavement. So this categorising of all Africans were then given negative qualities, beasts, no understanding of good, living in sloth, who were lost, who needed saving. So the second discovery ideas to justify the first, the business model. We need to be aware that a military power can enable massive power, in this case people theft, but also the language power to write their own rules. One, not trading but saving, and two, grouping all Africans as uncivilised and inferior. A race in all but name, and more importantly, the building blocks of race for others to complete and use today. So, what was the third discovery? The more confidently you lie, the more natural it sounds. In 1606, a French diplomat first defined race as descent, while a man, horse, dog is from a good or a bad race. And in 1735, one we probably are all aware of, Carolineus, made his first classification of humankind, colour-coding the races as white, yellow, red and black, with a top and a bottom. So race isn't neutral, but a new power to categorise and judge, elevate or downgrade, include or exclude, a hierarchy to benefit the category creators. The purpose from the start, to establish a racial hierarchy. The taxonomy, a blueprint followed today. So Prince Henry was the first race maker, the crust that holds the racist pie. Now, given that race science is having... Um, are current is currently re-emerging in if it never went away in America and in the UK. Our fourth heading is an attempt to deal with this. So how to refute what sounds like science with actual science. In 2000 then President Bill Clinton announced the Genome Milestone for Humanity, work by geneticists worldwide decoding the Book of Life found that humans were 99.9% .9 the same. But this fundamental scientific basis for equality is still not adequately shared. The idea of hierarchy, 
conscious or unconscious, still influences and needs rejecting. So, what lies behind would ask, where does that leave us? According to Kendi, the root problem of racism from Prince Henry to Trump is this cause-effect. A racist power creates racist policies out of raw self-interest. These policies require everyday racist ideas to maintain them. However, we do need to be aware that there is no scientific, genetic or biological evidence for different races. It's a political construct, a mirage to justify hierarchy and racism. So in summary, if there's only one human race, be aware that the concept of races maintains inequalities based on its false assumptions. A racialized society where one group whites is given a superior status. So back to our original questions. What is it to be an anti-racist now? Ibram Kendi says to be an anti-racist is a radical choice in the face of this history requiring a radical reorientation of our consciousness. We would say, be aware, notice and oppose its inequalities. So what lies behind encourages us to ask more about what lies behind everyday language and its purpose and power. As for the original question, why has racism lasted so long? Let's amend this to when will it end? It's not a mystery when more, many more, oppose it. This is Donald Carroll signing off. Let us know what you think of this. We'll get to you for next week.